What up, what up, fam? Welcome, beloveds, to Master Class Moments with Dr. Joel Kemp. We are so appreciative that you're taking some time out to tune in, to join, to, to listen to the very first episode in this podcast. My name is the Reverend Dr. Dominique Aisha Robinson. I am the guest host for the first season of the podcast, and I'm appreciative to Dr. Joel Kemp for allowing me this opportunity. Um, and so if you haven't done so already, I'm asking for you to go and follow J-E-L-E. Institute on Facebook and on Instagram. That's J-E-L Institute for Just Enough Light. Don't worry, you'll learn more about that momentarily. Just Enough Light Institute on Instagram and on Facebook. And also, if this is your first time encountering us, I am encouraging you to go on the Facebook page and listen to our webisode, our live webisode that aired on February 28th. That's right. We kicked off or ended Black History Month with a bang and kicked off Women's History Month with a wonderful conversation where we learned a lot about the scholar, the brain, the preacher, the biblical interpreter, the attorney, whose project, brainchild, ministry, and businesses is bringing to the podcast stage, Dr. Joel Kemp. Hey, it's good to be with you again. I feel after that introduction, I need like theme music or something. <laughs> well, if you had theme music, what type of song would you drop right now for your theme music, Dr. Kemp? And right now, I've been on the Never Would Have Made It Without You. Um, that, oh. I'm, 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 that's been in my soul for the last couple of days, so I have to go out and uh, dust off some Marvin sat for that one. Oh, cool, cool, cool. How are you feeling, Dr. Kemp, after the first webisode dropped, after you shared some information about yourself, you dropped this brainchild that, that God's been working in you, through you, with your team? How do you feel after that first webisode and us now starting this podcast conversation? Yeah, I mean, it's amazing. It's, it's definitely what it means to be blessed in terms of it's always something powerful to see a vision that you've had have it be born. And certainly having you, Dominique, with me on this journey has been one of the, the best parts of it. So I'm excited about what we're doing here and hopefully that the people of God will be blessed and grow from it. It's the people of God. Now, saints, if you're tuning in now and you're listening to the preacher's voice right then when he said the people of God, you felt something in your shanana. Now, just in case you don't know what your shanana is, that is uh, the part of you, your spirit that moves without your permission because you felt something. That's when the hair on your arm stands up. You feel a little warm. It's your shianana, okay? So when he said people of God and you felt that in your shianana, that means you, you, got a little, you got a little oil about you. So Dr. Kent, listen, the people who, who went back and or who joined us live for the webisode learned a lot about you, um, particularly what I want to make sure I highlight that I love, particularly your, your frame work. Um, your hermeneutic, so to speak, coming from a person who was born and raised in a Baptist church tradition, parents, educators, musicians, um, having gone to undergrad studying, um, I believe religion, right? You studied, exactly. what, yeah, yeah, studied religion. And that's where the, the beginning of your uh, love relationship with the Hebrew Bible began, um, particularly around Job, I believe. And I know your, your PhD dissertation was around Ezekiel, but that's where it began. And so you, you did that. You, you have a, a law degree. You practiced law for 10 years. You certainly were an advocate for people of the community. Um, you then went and got your PhD. You have taught uh, Hebrew. And so I, I want to make sure people are re recognizing that you are coming at this from such a rich, steeped, communal 
educated, equipped perspective um, as we begin this journey for people to know. When we talk about master classes, we, we're not talking about a rookie here. We are literally talking about an expert in the field of biblical interpretation um, and African-American perspective. Uh, and so with that, we want people to learn more about you as they continue to to receive the gems that uh, you will be dropping. And so with that, I want to ask you a few questions for the listeners to get to know more about, about Dr. Joel Kemp. Now, see, the webisode, they learned that you were a hip-hop head. Today, they learned you're a deep worshiper with some Marvin Staff on you, with, you know, right. a little something from there. Um, so tell us, uh, for the people who don't know you, describe yourself in three words and explain why you selected those three words. All right, all right. So th the first word that I would describe myself is a Christian that when everything is stripped away, right? When all the degrees, all the titles, all the jobs, at the end of the day, I am a sinner saved by grace. Mm. And for me, my relationship with Christ is really the, the wellspring out of which everything flows and it's the target for which I aim. So I am nothing but a Christian and everything else is sort of commentary to borrow an old rabbi's phrase. Um, so the first thing I would say is that I'm a Christian. The second thing is a student. Um, for me, the more you know, the more you realize you don't know. Um, and so I never view myself as having mastered everything because I, I feel like once you get to one mountaintop, you see there's another summit that you can climb. And so I always try to learn as much as I can from as many sources as I can. So I'm perpetually learning often jokingly say that the greatest joy of being in the academy is I'm a professional student. I get paid to learn forever. Um, so that's the second thing. And then the third is an artist. Um, as you mentioned, Dominique, I come from a musical family as far back as we can trace. Folk have played instruments or drawn. So I think there's something about the soul of God that's deposited in creative arts. And I feel the more one gets in touch with that, the greater one gets to know who God is. And so I always like the, the image in um, the Greek version of the creation account where God is a poeo, right? The word where we get poet from. And mm. So what if we imagine creation as the first great poem, right? the first great freestyle lyric ever given by the ultimate MC? And I think that changes the ways we think about, about life. Dr. Kemp, we just getting started and you're already dropping gems. The, the, the Greek translation or the Greek rendition of the creation story, Poeo, uh, and, and lyrics and Master MC. You know what? I, the, I, that's all right. Okay, so Christian student artist and you have explained why and that helps us really start to grasp a better understanding of like i said your lens and how you see that text or see the text or different texts um, which will help us be able to pull from what you teach us um, about engaging hebrew bible and expanding our own perspectives and lens when we have to ask ourselves first how do we identify and why which certainly impacts how we see the text uh, the other question i want to ask you is what are three things you're passionate about and why yeah, the first thing that I'm really passionate about may be self-evident, but I'll say it anyway, the Bible. <laughs> uh, you know, again, growing up, you know, Baptist church, Black Baptist kid, um, the Bible's foundational to our faith. And so I find it to be one of those texts that the more you study it, the more it invites you to dig more deeply. 
Um, so I just really, really find the Bible to be that central text that has shaped not only my Christian walk, but what it means to be a student, to be an artist, to be a husband, all those kinds of things that I would attach to myself as I identifiers. I think the Bible's at the heart of that. Um, mm-hmm. My second passion is family. Um, to me, family isn't just, you know, the ones you share DNA with, but it's the one that you share passions with, you know? So in our time together, Dominique, you're, you're family to me now. Um, and so that's just part of the, the journey for me, right? It's my parents would often say family isn't whom you're born with, it's whom you choose to love. Um, mm-hmm. So I'm a big fan of, of family. Then the third, which is part of what JEL Institute is all about, is education. Um, I feel like the more the more you learn, the better you are, right? And there's this old line that education is about the formation of character. And so mm. for me, education, particularly biblical education, is about shaping us to be more like Christ. Um, and so I want to kind of do my little part in scraping off some rough edges and hopefully depositing some, as you said, some gems that God can use to refine us all. Thank you so much, Dr. Kim. It's just... Man, I am as a junior scholar, just beginning. I love the word junior in front of a front of a scholar. Uh, I am always so humbled and inspired by encountering black scholars like yourself who are so down to earth. Yet we're reading, we're citing, we're learning from um, in my PhD program and citing you as a professor. And it's so it's so cool to just hear how like you just. I mean, like low key, you so chill. You like big bro for real. So I really appreciate that. Um, who do you consider uh, your hero and why? Right. Can I cheat and name two? Yeah, it's your, it's your podcast. All right. Well, you know, I always <laughs> want to be respectful. <laughs> so at the risk of the sort of ninjas chopping onions, I'll say the two for me are my parents. Um much of what I know about who God is was because of how they introduced Christ to me. Uh, a number of years ago, I had given a, a speech where I ended by saying, if I could combine my father's strength with my mother's compassion, then I would be a full human being. Mm. Uh, and in many ways, the best of what I have seen Christians be, I've seen with them. Um, so they are themselves, as you mentioned, scholars, educators, artists, and musicians in their own right. Um, and so a lot of what I value were the things I saw modeled, right? The old black mm. church thing about I'd rather see a sermon than hear a sermon. That's right. right. Oh, so I got I, caught I, up. I got excited. I'm sorry. You're <laughs> yeah, right. That's all that's right. right. It's all right. <laughs> <laughs> all right. So I, I, I grew up hearing the gospel preached every day without words ever being uttered. So they're, they're my heroes. Reverend, Reverend. Yes. Yes. Okay. Those are your two. You're using, you're going to do your parents too. I didn't know if you had another one, like, a, cause again, I'm just a guest host. It's whatever the podcast <laughs> master class moments with Dr. Kemp says y'all. So yeah. just because this is fun, Dr. Kemp, and I'm the person, what's your favorite color? My favorite color actually is blue. Blue. Blue, yes. You're you're not you're not Greek, right? So this ain't this ain't like no Sigma blue or nothing. It's no, just no, blue. no. <laughs> no, uh, I don't okay. don't want to start that war, at least not that early. <laughs> right, right, okay. Is there a particular blue, like a royal blue, a sky blue, a deep blue? Or... Yeah, I like the 
kind of the the dark blue that's almost like midnight blue where it's almost oh, on the really? edge of dark of, of black. I see. I just like mm-hmm. those kind of dark rich colors. My mind. That's very regal. Okay. This next question is right off the cuff and real uh hood and ratchet because it's appropriate, not that hood. What's your favorite cereal? <laughs> uh not that exciting. Uh I, I really as a kid and still to this day absolutely love raisin bran. What the Dr. Ken, the, this I know. It's the least exciting cereal, but it oh. is my favorite. I just love the taste of raisins. <laughs> Dr. Kim, I this podcast is about to come to a close. What, you, okay, do <laughs> so you at least eat the Raisin Bran Crunch, the new one? I sometimes do that. Because that's living on the wild side at this point. If you right, exactly. <laughs> <laughs> no, if I if I if I venture out into the world, like get real crazy, I'll do some old school Frosted Flakes. <laughs> <laughs> Oh, man. Y'all who are listening, I would like for you right now, whatever you're doing, I want you to lift up Joel Kemp on your prayer list. The man of God, he didn't say Fruity Pebbles. He didn't say Apple Jacks. He didn't say Cocoa Puffs, Honeycomb. The man of God said Raisin Bran. Now, let me tell you why this is so funny. First of all, it should be funny to you if you're listening, okay? And it's hilarious because... He has all of this artistic, creative energy, and he's just like the attorney, just like the biblical scholar stereotypes of just plain old, (laughs) just give me Raisin Bran. All right, well, at least now y'all know. So if y'all decide to have any jokes with him later, any of your students listening, y'all know, don't bring Dr. Kemp an apple. Just bring him a small box of Raisin Bran, and he'll know. He'll know what that's all about. (laughs) I will know that I am loved, right? (laughs) Greater love hath no man than Raisin Bran, right? (laughs) Oh, Oh, man. Okay. Dr. Kemp, we are talking and dropping this podcast literally at the top of March. Um, And so uh, during at least the next couple of weeks while we're talking, we're going to be looking at one Lent and and secondarily because of an interest of mine around women um, in the Old Testament. Um, And so, again, for those who are listening, just a reintroduction of myself. My name is Dominique Robinson. I am currently a Ph.D. student in the one and only um, Ph.D. program of African-American preaching and sacred rhetoric. And I also teach preaching. I have an extreme interest in homiletics, hermeneutics, um, rooted in womanist scholarship. And so I love, um, I, I am a person who preaches mostly from the Old Testament, the Hebrew Bible. Um, any of the New Testament scholars listening, you can talk to me about it later, reprimand me about it later. But but the Old Testament is a passion of mine. And so, Dr. Kempis, we unfold in these conversations uh, for, for the month or for this season, um, we're looking at Lent. We know that Lent is a time for most Protestant Christians, and I believe also, you know, Catholics, where we take some time to do some reflection, repentance, introspection. Um, a lot of people choose to acknowledge or honor this liturgical season by uh, fasting or consecrating or refraining from something. Um, some of the more contemporary practices have been to add something as well. Um, and in light of this kind of ongoing pandemic we found ourselves in. When we start talking about this ashes um, that we've come from and to which we shall return, where a lot of people have been dealing with grief and loss and sadness. Tell us, 
what passages um, come to mind for you from the Hebrew Bible around this season of Lent? What what passages should we be looking at? And um, give us give us give us some some gems as preachers so that we we can start creating some series that we gotta we have to start preaching literally this Sunday. Yeah. Yeah, when you, I love your framework about kind of the season of the pandemic and of loss. And one of the passages that comes to mind that's often in the lectionary is the story of the life of Abram, right? That it's a, it's a journey of pilgrimage. And it's a journey of pilgrimage into a land that he doesn't know through territories he has never experienced. And on the way, he's experiencing things like famine. He's experiencing deaths of loved ones. He's experiencing marching through empires that are hostile to him. And so for me, when I think about Lent in the Hebrew Bible, I think about these journeys of Abram and eventually Abraham. Because in some ways, I think when we think about Lent in the Christian context, it's a liminal space, right? That we've celebrated the joy of love's coming in Advent, right? We have the glorious promise of the resurrection. And we even have the, the nightmare of the cross in some ways. But what do you do when all you can see is death coming? And what do you do, as one of my favorite writers used to say, what do you do when you're counting the cost of a love you have yet to profess? Um, and to me, that's part of what I think about with that Lenten season. A lot of Abram's journey is this sort of counting cost and the constant sort of disappointment that he, he confronts on that journey. Hmm. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And 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 he's not journeying alone, is he? No, no, no. Again, family, right? So he has uh, an underrepresented or underpreached woman in Sarai, who eventually becomes Sarah. Um, and so, you know, we'll probably talk about this in the later podcast. But what does it mean to tell the story of the patriarchs through the matriarchs who accompanied them? Right, that there is no nation of Israel without Sarah and Rebecca, and so they. They need their moment in the sun. Um, certainly during our time together, we hope to shine some light on them so that they understand mm-hmm. and the world understands more of who they are and what they've contributed to this faith that we have. Yeah. So as you're talking about this this journey, particularly of that of Abram, um, we're looking at Genesis 15. Um, is there anything in particular from that passage that many preachers, so, you know, so I'm coming from the homiletics perspective, that many Black preachers kind of either overlook or miss or something you want to draw our attention to to make sure we kind of give it a little bit more um, reflection of highlighting so that we're not doing these broad strokes of preaching through this season, which many people preach from New Testament perspective, actually. They focus a lot on Jesus. So this already is pushing against the grain. It's quite subversive. Um, I would argue it's the queering of the season uh, where we push people to to look from um, non-traditional lenses and perspectives. So as we look at Genesis 15, what what should we pay, what should we be paying attention to? Yeah, and I think the the one thing that's nice about those traditions in Protestant Christianity and Roman Catholicism that use a lectionary, often they'll pair New Testament like a gospel and a writing from the so-called letters of Paul with one or two Hebrew Bible texts. And so for those who use this lectionary, Genesis 15 will occasionally pop up in, the, in that cycle. So there are two things that come to mind. Uh, one that I think is straightforward, 
And the second one, I want to mess with theology for a few moments. So, Ooh, I'll, I'll, yeah. so I'll start gentle, then we'll build. <laughs> yes, yes. Um, so part of the one that I think is important that's, you know, overlooked, but not too subversive, um, was in Genesis 15, verse 12, where um, the Bible describes that the sun was set and then there's a, a deep sleep and a, a deep darkness that falls over Abram. And one of the things that's interesting, the Hebrew that's used there to describe a deep sleep, right? It's the same word that was used in Genesis 2 when God causes a deep sleep to fall on Adam before he, out of which he then creates the woman who eventually becomes known as Eve. And so one of the things to me that's really particularly powerful for the season of Lent is how is life birthed out of darkness? Mm. Right. And what does it mean for us to be put into a deep sleep out of which life can occur? And so in the biblical text, after he falls into this deep sleep, God gives him the promise of a future generation. Mm. And so for me, I think this season of Lent, which is a time of, of sunsetting, of darkness, of deep despair, can we see that as a prologue to God's greatest intervention of life? And how do we frame it that way? And so I think the, the Abram story does that, right? Because we have this, this wonderful moment of promise, but Isaac isn't born the next verse, yeah, right? We travel through several chapters. We travel through Hagar. We yeah. travel through all of these things until we finally get to the chosen child. Yeah. Then as we talked about a little bit in our first masterclass moment with Dr. Joel B. Kemp that we aired live on Monday, February 28th, that promised child is now the subject of a sacrifice, mm. right? And so how does one frame that and think about that? And so I think this Genesis 15 text within the arc of the story of Abram, I think gives us a chance to really explore some of the themes of Lent. Yeah, and, and you know, Dr. Kemp, with that, um, you know this, and so I'm sharing this uh, publicly, quite nervous about it, right? Uh, part of what I'm looking at is, is the role of mental well-being, um, particularly depression um, and biblical interpretation, and you sharing this bit, literally this piece about Abram being put into this deep sleep parallel to the same deep sleep that Adam was put in, uh, in, in the beginning of Genesis makes me also question during this Lenten season um, what it means to truly rest. Uh, what it means to really pause and take Sabbath. Um, and, 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 and again, this matter of deep sleep. We live in such a very high-strung culture of hustle and grind, and we don't pause enough to literally sleep. And as you shared, it is in this sleep, or as you said, the sleep, this prologue of the promise. Um, so for those of you who are listening, I'm, I'm just pausing to say, hey, take a pause take that nap, really rest. Um, it, it, it is not a sin to rest. Um, like just take a minute and, and pause and rest and know that God is working even in your sleep. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. I mean, not over for me, not only is rest not a sin, it's a commandment of God, mm. right? That, you know, the first part of Genesis chapter one, right? And on the seventh day, right? God took a Shabbat, a Sabbath. He rested. 
right? And it, and again, a lot of writers have picked up on this, but I think it's something that often gets lost in some of our church traditions, right? If God literally sewed into the very fabric of creation the notion of rest, then it is a sin for us not to rest. Mm. Right? And for me, that that has helped me to get over the guilt of, man, there's some things I should be doing. Mm-hmm. Why am I doing nothing by resting? Mm-hmm. And it's like, well, God did nothing. So, you know. It, and it, it, I mean, you're the Hebrew, right. And you're the Hebrew scholar. So correct me, but I'm also pondering the fact that it did not take God all day to do what God needed to do the first six days. So if God could literally split the dry land from the sea, in the twinkling of an eye, I imagine God was chilling in a good old hammock the remainder of the day until right. the new day came upon him. Yeah, exactly. That You don't have this sense of kind of frenzied activity for six days and God kind of collapses on God's throne and say, oof. Right. So therefore, again, rest isn't collapse after exhaustion. It's a purposeful setting aside of time to be kind of refreshed and renewed. Um, so yeah, I think that's no. part of what what God intends and the biblical writers intend by highlighting Sabbath on that seventh day. Yeah. So now tell us, how are you going to mess up our theology? (laughs) So in verse six, so Genesis 15, verse six. um, Saints turn to verse six, where it says, Abram believed the Lord and he credited to him as righteousness. That's verse six. Exactly. Here's where I can mess with your theology just a little bit. In most English translations, it's this idea that kind of Abram puts his trust in the Lord and the Lord declares him righteous because he put his trust in him. The Hebrew doesn't specify who declared whom righteous. The the pronoun, it can go either way in the Hebrew. So what might it mean for humans to declare that God is righteous or to account to God righteousness or merit? So that's, that's the mess with your theology moment. <laughs> oh, you know, I'm a homiletician. I'm going to stay in my lane. Um, I, no, I, go I, ahead. I, no, no, I don't. I'm pondering that. What does it mean for humanity a human kind, right? To have, I feel like you would have to have an authority to deem God righteous. Like right. you functioning in some, okay, you don't mess with people's theology. Let's see what they say. Now, if you're listening, don't get up there preaching, talking about something according to Dr. Kemp. Do your research or you know what better yet? You can go ahead and book services with Dr. Joel Kemp. Hebrew Hotline, J-E-L Consult, okay, so that you can work through this concept a little better. Don't get up there just preaching, you know, talking about some, we don't, just repeating everything Dr. Kemp just said. You need to work it through a little further, people of God. Right, exactly. And the whole idea is the question of what what that means still needs to be worked out, right? And there are, mm-hmm. there are resources we have within the text and in church tradition to think through what that means to deem God righteous, if that's mm-hmm. in fact what Abram is doing here. Oh, okay. So Dr. Kim, we, we're going we gonna to wrap it up soon. Let me ask you this. Do you want to stay with this text or is there another text you want to share with us that you think you can, you know, drop the gym or two in, in like two to three minutes? What do you want to do? 
Uh, we can jump to one more, and I can do another okay. mess with your theology moment. But this one is one that's that's well known. So this is just kind of revisiting something. Okay. Um, so if you kind of look at the revised lectionary that's often in use, one of the other passages that comes up, I believe it's the third Sunday in Lent, is the passage in Isaiah 7. Um, so Isaiah 7, verses 10 through 17, or some version of that. So again, Isaiah 7, 10 through 17. Is often a, a passage that gets paired with the various gospel readings because it describes the birth of this of this young woman giving birth to a child whose name is Emmanuel, right? So in some traditions, we've just seen this in the context of Lent. Now, excuse me, of Advent, excuse me, and it was, some will revisit it in the context of Lent, which we are in now. And, you know, this is often one of those things where it's attached to Christ. Um, and again, if you're a Christian and you read this text and you don't see Jesus, I worry about you, right? That, <laughs> this this is one of those moments, if you have a Christological framework, this ought to scream Jesus, right? But the Hebrew Bible scholar in me wants to say, before you shout Jesus, ask what was Isaiah talking about in his moment, in his day? Um, and so again, I think in the context of, of Lent and where we are, Right. And unfortunately, the horrific war we're seeing in with Russia and Ukraine, um, that this text just spoke to me to that situation. Right. Because this is a Isaiah's writing this when his country is under siege. Right. He literally sees the tanks 40 miles wide or 40 miles long riding through their major cities. And so the the possibility of Judah surviving is not certain. And then he gets this promise about not only will God give you a sign, but he'll give you a sign of life that there'll be this new king who will arise. And so one thing is to really just think about and frame, again, the perilous nature of this journey and this season of Lent where we are counting the cost of love, where we're counting how hard it is for Christ to do what Christ did. What does it mean for us to journey through a similar season? Um, so the the piece that I just wanted to highlight was, again, in verse 14, you get that famous phrase, and a young woman will be with child and give birth to a son. Right? In the Greek version of this, we get the notion of a virgin. Right? A parthanos is the Greek there. In Hebrew, it's simply alma, which means a young woman. So this does not require that a woman who has never had sex is the only one who's going to be able to give birth to a promised child, according to Isaiah. Um, and that can, we can play with that in time, but I wanted to kind of highlight that to one, just kind of think through what kinds of notions of womanhood, of femininity, of alleged purity, do we often throw into text that the text itself may not demand? Mm. Mm. So you're saying that word that is translated as virgin is is not what it really means. It's not. It doesn't really mean virgin. What how we understand it in our Western kind of mindset. It just means a young woman. Doesn't necessarily Correct. mean one who has not had sex. And Correct. we read that into this. That this, wow, 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 wow. Yeah, you messing with people's theology, all right? Their Christology. Uh, uh, for sure. Um, 
and then and 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 then what it means does it take away from the power of the savior if he was not born of a what we know to be a virgin right exactly yeah and that's where you get that kind of interesting reception moment where the greek gives us that sense of of a woman who's not had sexual intercourse but the hebrew Mm -hmm. doesn't require that and so Alma just again means a young woman. Um, and so again, what does that do, as you said, to our Christology? Mm-hmm. Um, ideally, mm-hmm. it expands it in powerful ways, um, but it, it can be a threat to some. And again, there are ways we can work through that. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Then the last For thing sure. I just want to sh- sorry. I'll say the last thing I just want to share because I know we are we are running low on time is the the next verse. So by the time this child learns that the people will be feeding on curds and honey is how often that gets translated. Um, curds and honey is this really interesting phrase because it, it suggests that your land has some prosperity, right? Because these aren't easy things to get when your land is under siege, right? And so part of, I think, the promise of this text and the promise that Lent offers us is even in the midst of its siege, God provides a measure of abundance, a measure of pleasure, a measure of joy that we can find, right? There's a Hebrew phrase or word of devok, devok, which means to cling. And some argue that faith is about clinging to God so that you get from God the joy God has always had in store for you. That's the task of faith. And I think in this Lenten season, right, we need to cling. Right? And a lot of hymns we can go into now, but that that take us somewhere else. But you know, <laughs> yeah, yeah, Dr. Kemp, man, thank you so much for what you've shared, particularly on today's podcast. As we continue to reflect um, during this Lenten season, I want to ask you these two things as our rolling out, closing out of this first episode. One is, are there any practices that you are um, putting into place during this Lenten season? And then the very last question is, tell the people about JEL and how to connect with JEL Institute. Absolutely. Yeah, so typically during Lent, um, I gain, engage in the practice of giving up one thing. Um, but part of what I'm actually doing this year is a little bit different in that I'm reinstituting an old thing that I used to do, which is to dedicate one day a week to fasting and to dedicate a day of fasting and prayer um, to build up to Tritium, where I will fast those three days from Monday, Thursday until Easter Sunday. Um, and so that for me is sort of my Lenten practice of to, you know, to quote Paul, sort of to beat the body into subjection, <laughs> uh, which isn't, he doesn't, he's not talking about physical abuse there. He's literally just saying to recognize that we are spirits and souls who have bodies so that our body is important, but not central. Now, so that's kind of my Lenten practice that I'm uh, picking up again. Um, in terms of for JEL, again, JEL Institute, Just Enough Light, um, just comes from a, a book and a passage that just blessed my heart when I was in law school about this idea of God providing just enough light for the step you're on. So here at JEL Institute, we will continue to have these uh, masterclass moments with Dominique Robinson, the Reverend Doctor, soon to be Reverend Doctor Doctor. <laughs> um, and we'll continue our conversations. We'll be releasing podcasts uh, twice a month during our first season. Um, then that final Monday of every month, we'll have another masterclass moment live. Uh, 
with Dominique, and we'll get into some some of the issues that we've raised during the preceding month, then preview what's coming. Uh, we're also really excited to announce that on March 7th, we will launch the Hebrew Hotline. And the Hebrew Hotline is an opportunity for pastors, seminarians, lady. If you have questions about the Bible, if you're saying, Dr. Kemp, you made this reference about you know, the prophets talking about Jesus, but not really about Jesus. What does that mean? Well, you can book some time with me for 30 minutes and we can unpack that in more depth to help you as you think about it. If you want to go back to some of the things about this deep sleep and this rest or just any other question you've been wrestling with, it's an opportunity for us to have that dialogue and hopefully reach some, some answers or at least asking better questions to deepen our walk with Christ. And then finally, and over the summer, we'll have a couple Bible study series we want to do uh, to give us a chance to interrogate a few texts together, kind of as our summer refresher and recharge as we get ready to head back into, into the wars of the fall. Uh, so we're looking forward to being with you. And, and make sure if you haven't done so yet, you can follow us on Facebook and Instagram. Our website will be coming out in a couple of weeks as well. So again, so JL Institute on Facebook and Instagram is how you can find who we are and what we're doing and keep informed of the latest events in JL Institute. As we bring a, another masterclass moment to a close, I, I can't let us leave without giving you at least one Hebrew nugget. So since all that we do is for the glory of God, what I wanted to do was leave you with the word for glory. Kavod. Kavod. So kavod can not only mean glory, it can also mean heavy or weighty. So my thought as we leave this masterclass moment is are you ready to bear the kavod in this new Lenten season? To God be the glory, and we'll see you next time on Masterclass Moments with Dr. Joel B. Kemp.